The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. After 10.15, our kink panel discusses power exchanges. What leads people to seek out these uh, power exchanges in BDSM relationships? We'll address that with our kink panel. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. You can also email me anytime, Lori at drlori.com with your questions, especially if they are a little more uh, detailed. It might be easier by email. Uh, until what age are PAPs suggested and does it need to be every two years? So Pat, we're talking about PAP tests here. Generally speaking, when you're sexually active, PAP tests are really important because they check for abnormal cell growth, which could uh, prevent um, uh, cervical cancer, for example. If you have regular tests, it, they, it screens for that, for abnormal tests. If you don't get them and you have abnormal cells, those abnormal cells can grow into uh, a cancer because they're usually uh, simply precancerous cells. Um, I I believe that after 65, you no longer have to do pap tests. If I remember correctly what our gynecologist had uh, has said here on the show, then it's uh, it's somewhere around the age of 65 that you no longer have to do them. It could be a little bit younger. I'm not 100% sure, but um, I'm assuming that you still go see your gynecologist or at least your uh, GP, because even GPs do pap tests these days. Uh, you can ask the GP uh, what what it, what is recommended. But I know the recommendation is every two years. At one time, it was every year, like at every you know checkup, but it, now it's every two years. Unless you've already had an abnormal pap, then they would probably want to see you um, more frequently. Uh, this one by email. Hi, I have a personal question I'd like to ask. It's most embarrassing. My girlfriend is 52 and she had breast cancer and now she has recovered. My question is that we, when we have sex, I cannot seem to reach orgasm inside her. It's like she is not wet enough. She is completely frustrated with me as I am with me. We both enjoy it at the time, but we are both very frustrated. I think it's a combination of menopause and cancer radiation. She thinks it's because I'm over overweight and stressed. I'm not sure what the issue is. Um, I think the issue, first of all, with breast cancer treatment and radiation and the medication plus uh, putting you into menopause uh, what what is the result of menopause or what is the result of these kinds of treatments is that, yes, you have less estrogen being produced and which leads to vaginal uh, dryness. I'm surprised that she's not complaining that uh, that it's dry or that it, it hurts her. But definitely, um, here's a couple things you can do. First of all, she can, uh, she can put into her vagina... Uh, some kind of cream. There are uh, non non estrogen creams that uh, I think one of them is Gynotroph, is one name of a, uh, a non estrogen cream that that restores or helps restore the uh, the, the the vaginal uh, uh, lubrication. 
And I would add, you should absolutely also use a uh, an external lubricant every single time you have sex. And I would recommend you use a silicone based one; they don't dry up. If you use a gel, like a, a like a KY gel or something like that, then those tend to dry up rather quickly. So uh, using something like uh, like a silicone based one would be really helpful. So those two things I think would make a huge difference, especially if this is causing your frustration. If you know that your ability not to reach an orgasm is because for you it feels dry in there and doesn't it, it just doesn't feel as good, uh, then that would be absolutely the answer. Um, I'm 71 and I believe my uterus is somehow coming out. What causes this and is it harmful to my health? So that's called a, a, an organ prolapse when you can have your vagina can actually fall out uh, as well. So I don't know if it's your uterus, your vagina. I'm not sure what, what, what it is. But obviously, this is not dangerous to the, to your health, but certainly can make life a little bit uncomfortable. And there are easy solutions to this. There's something that's called a pessary, which they insert, which is like a, a shield that holds everything up, uh, which you can even, um, even have uh, intercourse with as well. So this is something you need to speak to uh, either a urogynecologist or your gynecologist about, but there is definitely a solution for this. And and it's not something you have to worry about that it's going to cause something else. It won't, uh, but uh, certainly it could be uncomfortable. Uh, I got this lovely uh, email. Uh, Bless you for all the information that you give us. Forget about the negativeness about sex as we all need to be informed about it and its consequences. Hope that you will continue your good work on CJD. That's so sweet. Thank you so much for taking the time just to send a, a, a nice uh, a nice note. Um, I'm a 47-year-old divorced woman, no children. I'm not employed at the moment because I'm taking care of my parents. Um, my dilemma is that I know... I, that a having a man in my life would not define my happiness. Nothing and nobody can make me happy. It comes from within. I sometimes miss not having someone in my life. However, I do like being able to call the shots and not having to answer to a companion. I worry about my parents not being around anymore. Then I will be totally alone. It makes me anxious just thinking about it. I've never lived alone. Also, I'm uncomfortable looking for work because of my age and also because I've not been on the job market for four years. I have no spouse, no children, no job, nothing to fall back on. I feel that I will have nothing to look forward to. The future makes me rather apprehensive. You may want to talk this out with a therapist just in terms of uh, learning to deal with the loneliness being in this generation where you're taking care of your parents as well as, uh, you know, maybe taking care of your parents seems to be a full-time job so you don't you can't look for work. I mean, there's a bunch of different issues here that uh, that needs to be looked at. But, you know, you're talking about something that a lot of people struggle with, which is finding purpose, like leading 
a purposeful life. And we all need to feel like we have some kind of purpose. So I think for you, maybe talking with someone to be able to explore this and look at uh, what are some of your interests? What are some of your passions? And if you don't have any, we got to find you some, right? Um, maybe getting involved in a nonprofit organization, for example, as a, as a way just to give you something uh, to get involved with. I think that's also a really, um, you know, you've got to look outside of just that little net, that the, the, the bubble that you are living, living in. But I think to, like, this is obviously a, a bigger issue than, than I can deal with in, in a minute on the radio, but definitely talking to somebody I think would be super helpful for you. Uh, my girlfriend and I had a baby two years ago, and we haven't had sex often. Now she uses a large dildo, which in itself is great. But now when we have sex, the tightness isn't there. The old adage, a hot to hug down a hallway. What can I do? Uh, well, um, I mean, it could very well be that uh, she's lost some of her tone in her vaginal muscle. Uh, she could certainly practice Kegel exercises. She can practice with called uh, Benoit balls, which are, and there's other contraptions too. They're like weighted balls with a string attached to it. Some of them are silicone. You insert it into the vagina and you have to hold it in there. So you practice. You, you First you start with lying down and holding it in there. Then you stand up and hold it in there, and then you increase the amount of time, and this will give her uh, more feeling in the uh, like being able to contract the vagina, so that when you go in there, she can contract around you. So there's some exercises that can definitely be done, but just having a baby, the vagina usually bounces back. Certainly, within two years, you get the bounce back uh, because it's it's, a, it's elastic, really. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about power exchanges in the BDSM world with our King panel next. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Power exchanges. Uh, what leads people to seek this out? Uh, of course, who better to talk about this than our BDSM panel, our kink panel? Uh, tonight we have Pierre and Catherine who are here. They are BDSM practitioners and they're founders of BDSMcircle.com. Way back when the internet just hit the, uh, hit the internet, <laughs> hit our computers, they started the website. So, uh, they're pretty popular up there. And Gary Major, who is here, he is a kinkster and he, uh, you can find him on most days working at Mr. Bear, mm -hmm. uh, in the village. And, uh, he's here with his partner, Claude who's also a kinkster and with us. Claude, welcome. You're like uh, in the firing range here. <laughs> like, don't be too nervous. Uh, first of all, before we, we get into that topic, I, I'm curious to know because during our 20th anniversary broadcast and our party, we you guys had set up a table with all kinds of uh, – you could tell us what you brought, Catherine, but I'm curious to know – like I saw a lot of people at your table, so I'm wondering what kinds of questions that our listeners had for you uh, when they were able to talk to you, like one on one. It first of all, it was just a blast. Yeah, we had fun. We talked to the nicest people, fascinating people. 
Uh, our super fans, by the way. They I'm going to call them our super fans. It yeah. was so much fun. Uh, lots of people. We had um, a table set up with just uh, a few things because, you know, you got to pick and choose. You can't bring everything, sadly. Right. <laughs> so we had, um, for instance, you had mentioned gags on there. So we had, like, I, I think five or six different types of gags. Mm-hmm. Um, we had floggers. We had uh, we did bring a violet wand, mm-hmm. and and we were showing people that. Yeah, I didn't like that. You, you tried that on my arm. I was like, I I don't like this. I don't see how anybody can find this oh, pleasurable. You know what? There was a couple of people who who looked at the part and says, Oh, you know, are these expensive? Oh. And and so there was interested. a couple of people who asked the price, and it's like they're they're not actually very expensive now because they're used in the cosmetic industry. Yeah, and right. um, they used to be really expensive. It used to be like six, seven hundred dollars for a decent one. Now it's like a hundred bucks. Right, right, you can right. get a, a decent real one, right? Um, and it was really fun. It was one of the things we did, like a little demo on people, and um, there was some people who were quite surprised by it. It was it was fairly bright, so it, it didn't give the same where you can actually see the spark going on, mm-hmm. but people certainly felt it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, What kind yeah. of questions are people asking? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, there was a lot of questions about the, the BDSM itself. Uh, we were expecting questions about the toys, and mm-hmm. some people had very, very good questions and hard questions to answer. Very precise. And it, it was, this is why it was so, so much fun, because we, we always assume that people that listen to your show are like, beginners or people just interested and now we're talking to these people who had obviously they're experimented oh experience experience thank you and it was amazing so you see it well it kind of fits with if we look at the statistics right if we look at the numbers of people especially in quebec who are interested in kink who practice kink it's over 45 percent or something like that so you're still talking about a fair number of people Mm -hmm. who find this very very uh appealing well there was a (laughs) lot of people coming up and talking there was a lot of people who it was really interesting to um of course, you know, I'm, I'm kind of listening for it too, but would, would drop and so you'd realize what their kink was, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's other people so they around. Shared, they would share yes, their like, kink um, with you? Yes, like, for instance, one fella, uh, mentioned hoods three times. So you didn't bring any hoods, like, no, I didn't have room because you're trying to, you know, decide what to bring. And we brought different, like, handcuffs and shackles as well. And, you know, you want to bring everything, but it's like, what do you think people are going to be interested? It's like, so I, then of course it's like, oh damn, I've, I've got two hoods that I really like that I wish I brought, yeah. you know, or, you know, things like that. So you learned that a lot of the people that were talk that were there were they, actually into yes. themselves. Lots and, of interest about ropes, which surprised me. Yes. Well, you know, when, when Pierre brought the ropes, I thought, oh, nobody's going to ask about ropes. Everybody's, you know, what do they want to see ropes did. for? They did. But yeah, roping is really popular lately. Yes. And I was with my best friend and she was like asking me a question about ropes there, this and that. And like, just go ask them. <laughs> <laughs> she was charming, by yeah, the she way. Was. Yeah. Yes. So rope play is something that, it, would you say that's one of the first things that people try is rope play? 
for when bondage. they when they start. Well, yeah, the I mean, like thing? rope is one of those things that most people will have around their house, right? Uh, like without having to actually go out and and purchase like specialty toys and things right. like that. So of course, rope is one of the. It's like you know using a a wooden spoon as a, a little oh, right. you know yeah, to, paddle. to paddle the bottom. <laughs> uh, it's the same kind of thing. It's using yeah yeah it's, it's using your uh, pervertibles basically using right, your things yes. around the house that you can find that are going to work the same way. And rope is one of those things that almost everybody's got around the house. Except so. that not everybody knows how to tie a knot that you can get out of. That yeah. that would be like I don't I wouldn't know how to tie a knot. Like if I tie uh, a knot, you can't I can't undo it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like how do you do that? There are so many tutorials. Mm-hmm. Well, but that's YouTube what I'm saying. You, things like that. Yeah. But people and, have to do that. They yeah. have to go and get those tutorials or, before engaging in it. And let's mm-hmm. not let's just not or be in ju- the heat of it and say let's get that rope and then without oh, learning yeah. how to. You know what <laughs> I mean? But there's a little trick. If you take a bigger rope. A thicker you can, rope. You, you, a thicker rope, thank you. You can't undo the knot. Right. If you take a small rope or a very thin rope, you or can't. Anything not a nylon yeah. And or it cuts, true. and it cuts right. the circulation so, like mm-hmm. a thin rope. So yeah. you're interested to do rope play? Buy a thick rope. It's a, and something it's a natural fiber. Cotton. Right. Yeah. Cotton's okay. the best because you can wash it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. You and can you wash can bleach rope. it. Okay. Oh, definitely. Oh, God, yes. You so not the rope, rope that you would buy like, uh, to tie furniture to the car, like to tie no, your car, no, whatever. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Nylon, nylon, nylon will lock, and you you won't be able to get it done. You won't be able to get it undone, and that would be the, the the knot that would stay permanently, and you'd have to cut yourself out of it. See, that's scary. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. People really have to be. But you can still cautious. play with it. It's more of like be very cautious. Like again, you were saying, it's not something you do in the heat of the moment. It's not something you're just going to go down to your garage and grab your rope in the middle of you know having a, a fun night at home. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to want to plan think, that yeah. out. So yeah. I think yeah. that's important is to Good plan advice. it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to uh, Claude. You're new to the uh, to the panel. Um, how old are you? I'm 24. 24. So when did you discover the world of kink? Uh, pretty much when I was 18. Oh yeah. I had a huge interest in it uh, when I was younger, and I just tried around. I have some friends into it, uh, which are really great, per- which are really great people. So you had an, this is what I find, you had an interest in in it when you were younger. How? How did you, what was your first exposure to it? And like, what, what kind of drove you in that direction? Well, I just, I just find it really interesting, power, uh, power exchange in relationship when it's consensual and there's, uh, there's like nothing toxic about it. Mm -hmm. It's just... But in, when you were younger, like before eighteen, before like did you, did you were you attracted to that kind of porn early on? Maybe a bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a really bad sexual experience when I was young, so I just tried uh, more extreme things than normal things that aren't really vanilla sex. So. You think it's related to the fact that you had a bad experience? When yeah, you were I'm younger? pretty sure. Yeah. Really. I mean, no, I did a really good experience. Right. Like in both worlds. <laughs> but do you think that because, well, this leads me, but, well but this is a good way, segue into the power exchange because, mm-hmm. um, you know, some people who may have had negative experiences may then feel like they want to control mm-hmm. situations, right? Mm-hmm. They want to mm-hmm. be the one who's in control of mm-hmm. the sex. They, uh, and, and the opposite might be true too, that submitting to a partner it, it, it involves tr- like immense trust and yeah. vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. So 
even that the ability to submit to somebody must be a huge thing for maybe somebody who's gone gone through something. So mm-hmm. it could be tied into well, what could when lead you you're there. Submitting if you if you get a, a, a submissive or a slave or whatever however you want to term it, who really submits and kind of gives up control. You're also being taken care of and made safe. Mm-hmm. And so it, it can be exciting and, and seem like a thriller, seem almost dangerous. But if, if you're in the hands of a good dominant, you're actually perfectly safe all the time. It's a little like a Disney ride. You know, mm-hmm. I want to go on a roller coaster at Disney where it's like I'm screaming like crazy, but I know I'm not going to actually fly off. Right. You know, right. And, and it's a very, it's, it's a release. Of, right. of tension and stress and to be able to just give up and give that trust. There's there's something very freeing about it. You don't have to think anymore. You don't have to. It's just like trust. It's pure trust. Yes, it's moment. beautiful. And right. extremely yeah. therapeutic as well. Like when done properly, like a, a good power exchange can be very yeah. therapeutic. Exactly. Because both partners in, in you know a consensual setting can work out any kind of things that they need to work out. Uh, and it, the more trust you have, the more you can work out, the more deep you can get involved in the person's kind of history if they do have issues or problems. But how would you work to. that out? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, it really all depends on what you're looking for. Like like you were saying, like someone that's that's had, you know, a, a bad, impactful mm-hmm. uh, sexual experiences in their early childhood could then uh, submit to someone who is a, a dominant, more powerful, more maybe motherly or fatherly figure to kind of... Uh, uh, heal those wounds to have those to to reevaluate and re experiment with sex and and or or not even just with sex but with giving themselves over to a partner and feeling the trust again yeah. as opposed to in my to, case I was really just looking for a feeling of closeness like mm-hmm. being closer to someone and vanilla sex wasn't doing it for me okay so that power exchange made sense but it, it almost um somewhat paradoxical right because. Uh, you are looking to feel safe. Like sometimes mm. if yeah. the, the, the advantage, of course, of BDSM is that it's so consensual mm-hmm. and so discussed mm-hmm. ahead of time yeah. that it has to have that safety. Whereas when you get into a power exchange in a toxic relationship, Where which is no often part. possible when oh, you've yeah. had negative experiences, you could fall back into that kind of pattern, Oh yeah, absolutely. which of course can just re-traumatize you. Whereas th- in this situation, you're not being triggered in the same way because you're actually in that safe zone. It's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting um, distinction to mm-hmm. make, actually. Also, BDSM is not really always sexual in nature. Exactly. And we could talk about that coming up. Uh, what does BDSM actually mean? Because is it all about the sex? No, it's not all about the sex. So what is it about? We're going to find out with our kink panel after we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Our kink panel discusses uh, BDSM, and earlier in the program we were talking about uh, when they were at our uh, our event a couple weeks back, they... Uh, they had a table of all their stuff, which, of course, when we talk to them on the radio, we just get kind of descriptives. But to see the actual things, like you can't help but pick them up and go, <laughs> what 
is this? What's this for? <laughs> uh, so we talked about all the people, all our listeners, our super fans that went and talked to you and had all kinds of wonderful questions and who shared with you their own kinks. Yep. Which I thought was... Uh, this is what was amazing. There's some pretty cool people. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, very interesting. And we we're also talking about uh, power exchanges and where the... Um, you know, like what's the what's the root? Of course, you can't just say what. There's no one root, first of all, because everybody is uh, everybody is different. Um, but we can talk about it for different people. Uh, Claude here, uh, who's with us on the panel, for him might have started from a bad sexual experience and wanting to have that control or wanting to be able to feel safe and therefore let go and 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 be submissive. Uh, so Claude is here with his partner Gary, Gary Major, who's a, a regular here. He's a kingster. He is. Uh, uh, represents Mr. Bear, <laughs> the big bear in the studio with us. Uh, Pierre and Catherine are BDSM practitioners and the founders of BDSMcircle.com. So um, earlier this week, I met with someone who I thought was very interesting, and she was very aware of her own like discovery into the BDSM world, also discovered it a little later in life, like in in her 30s. no late late twenties let's say, um, but then started figuring out that she's a switch because originally she says I I really what I enjoy is I'm attracted to alpha males but I want to be in control mm. of those alpha males you know uh, and then discovered that but I also like in with the right person in the right environment to be completely submissive. And I said, well, isn't that interesting? There's like, you want to be in control, but every once in a while, you need to relinquish control mm -hmm. uh, and be taken care of. And, you know, there's a lot of people who will, if they will do the do a role, which mm -hmm. we call switch, is kind of the terminology, they will not switch with the same partner. Right. There's, it, that's, that's very common that you would have one person that is, you know, you're the dominant and, but to another person, you are the submissive. It's it's probably, I'd say, at least as common. If it's not in a monogamous couple, it's more common to have one like different people for the different roles. Okay. And, and by the and, way, there's a lot of alpha male that submit. Oh yes. And so right. for a lady like her that wants to uh, to to dumb a, a alpha male. It's probably not hard to find. Markers. Right. Well, I think that's also part of it. If, uh, you know, after knowing you for years and talking to you about this and knowing who who goes to either professional dominatrix or they're usually, you know, men in high power relationships as well. Like, Well, it, it is, but it's not just high power. It's people that are often in control of many, you know, of, of many things. You, you may be the, you know. The head person at the depanar, right, right, but it, like you know, it, so it doesn't, doesn't have to be, be a social status thing. It, it, no. Exactly, it could be that they're in control, or right. they've got employees, or they've got a restaurant where they're they're having to, or even if they're in customer service where they're they're having to control situations in that. There, there's people like that who'll just want to give up that control. Mm -hmm. And one thing you said earlier is, is about BDSM and sex, and for many, many people. 
BDSM has nothing to do with sex. Yeah, I think people have to wrap their heads around that one. We'll have, to, we'll have to repeat that one. BDSM, for many people, have nothing, nothing to do with sex. sex. Actually, like with Explain. sexual relations. Okay. Okay, so. In, in a traditional sense. That's right. the yes, thing that we exactly. have to clarify. Because some people do consider, you know, getting flogged to be very sexual. Mm. And it can be very releasing and very, you know. Yes. You can feel the same kind of feelings you get the from an orgasm in a, sex, in a sexual setting. But Without actual having a penetrative kind of sex, you know, traditional sexual experience. Okay. So it can feel like a sexual experience without there actually being traditional sex of mm -hmm. any kind. Yeah. Or it can feel like doing an extreme sport, mm -hmm. which you may not, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's still, it's a, it's a physical thrill. It's a physical, but it's not sexual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not for everybody, but, um, you know, so it, it, you can look at it like that too. That it's, it's, you know, it's a physical, but it's not sexual. Like a lot of people won't actually get turned on. They'll, they'll have a wonderful, happy feeling and, and they'll have the endorphins, but they don't. So will there be an erection? Sometimes. Uh, yeah, sometimes. Well off Without yeah. it being sexual, but there's still an arousal. Oh, absolutely. It all depends yeah. on what turns you on. Like if the, if the, you know, so for me getting flogged can turn me on mm -hmm. and turn me on to a degree where, Yes, physical. Then you want to have sex. Yeah, where I would want to have sex afterwards. Right. It doesn't always happen, obviously, but it, it can get to that point where the, the endorphins kick in and it's such a, like, incredible experience that, mm -hmm. of course, you want that kind of final lease for myself. Right. And cool. when you're with a partner, of course, that, that just gets integrated into mm -hmm. your, you know, yes. playtime, which Absolutely. includes sexuality. Yep. And where it is... And I, I'm making the distinction now with people, let's say, who go to professional dominatrix, let's say, they may not go for sex because I know a lot of these pro professional dominatrix don't touch their, they won't, their, have they, won't they will not have yeah. sex with them. Um, and so it may not have anything to do with sex. And at home they can go, they go have sex with their partners, mm -hmm. but then sure. they go for the BDSM experience. The, the exchange of power else. itself, you know, the pure exchange of power. And that's all it's about. That's all it's about. It's just the exchange of it's power. It's that release, yeah. to be able to release and, and give up that power and to be under control. And Where do you, Catherine, where do you think it originates from that? For me? Well, or for, for you or for people you've known? Uh, or... Well, you know what? I, I think for some people it's just a balance. And I, I think some people are just more naturally... Um, aggressive sexually, for lack of a, a better word... Uh, and they like to take more of the, the lead role and that's what does it for them. And other people, I think like to kind of lay back and be the figurative baby. And it's like, yeah, no, do me. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, the thing is, is the difference between BDSM and just like letting it happen is, is all about the safe word and consent. Yeah, well, you know. I want to know, because as you're talking, I'm thinking there are some people in vanilla relationships that that have that attitude where I'm, you know, I'm the man, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I decide or I'm gonna do you or whatever it is. And then I've heard men complain of women who are very passive in bed that they don't particularly like that. Sure. Um, but that's not. That hasn't been discussed. Like, there's a exactly. difference between a that and in the BDSM world where. You're having lots of conversations mm -hmm. before you, you ever get into that situation, mm -hmm. is what you're saying. Yep. Yes, and ongoing conversations. That's mm -hmm. that's the thing with what uh, a lot of people don't get is that they kind of think, okay, well, we'll we'll talk about it now and get it over with. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't work that way if you're going to be healthy. 
Mm-hmm. You you need to be doing aftercare and talking about it and and you know it, what might have felt wonderful at the time now you feel guilty or dirty after and mm-hmm. and not in the fun dirty way <laughs> yeah. you know it's always an ongoing conversation it exactly. never stops exactly it never stops it can't for a healthy BDSM relationship you always have to exchange you always have to talk if you stop talking your your relationship is going at the drain right. Gary, what were you going to No, I, I completely mm-hmm. agree with that. Like, it, it, and that's the one thing when, when a, a conversation or, or the BDSM scene or even a, a relationship can start, you're like, oh, I want to get in. I want to try flogging. And then you try flogging, you find out, oh, I hate that. That doesn't feel good <laughs> yeah. for me at all. <laughs> right. So let's go a different way. You have to keep going with those conversations and then you start trying. And then when you're with someone that has a lot of experience, you can try a bigger, wider, audi- a wider right. variety of things and figure out what works. We continue our conversation with our kink panel, Pierre, Catherine, Gary, and Claude. Any questions you have? Do you like to be in control during sex or do you like to be submissive? And do you have that discussion with your partner, 514-800? Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. All right, I got a question for our kink panel, uh, Gary and Claude and Pierre and Catherine. I'm curious to know, this texter writes, whether it's common or not within BDSM circles for a female dominant to always keep her submissive relationships separate from her romantic ones. In other words, not being romantically inclined toward her subs and vice versa, not being inclined toward being dominant toward her romantic relationships. Catherine? Well, that's me exactly. That describes you. That describes me. Okay. I I don't want to dominate Pierre. He's my partner. Right. He, and uh, a submissive, there's there's a dynamic there that I'm in control. I'm 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 the boss and I don't always want to be the boss in like a, a life partner. I I want a long term submissive. There's certainly like You have you submissive know, a, a, relationship like you yes, have relationships yes. that are long term outside long-term. of the marriage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um but no. I, I With would Pierre's not. consent. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I, I actually have no desire to 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 do to that. I, I I don't want them as a boyfriend either. I want them as a sub. It's it's very different. There's a there's a very specific dynamic that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, lucky me, there's others that are looking for the same thing. But there are sub uh, lady who want a relationship with their sub, but a loving relationship where they want to live together, uh, have a family and all. Uh, and they're okay being uh, like living the life of a sub is what you're yes, talking about. Yes, but again, the negotiation is extremely important there. Yes, but I mean, they're probably still a partner when it comes to the kids. I mean, there's right. there's different dynamics. Right, right? of course. No, no two you relationships know, is like exactly that. the same. So between you and Pierre, sorry if this is a, a personal question, but is it more the vanilla? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But sometimes we help each other with different play. I mean, we'll also play together with subs. Okay. So you'll mm-hmm. share a sub. Yes. Because you're both dominants. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, it works. That's kind of fun in the bedroom. You're both dominants. It is. Like... It, it, works, uh, it works rather well. Actually, and, uh, we negotiate. <laughs> That's what Because I'm... I'm bisexual, but I'm I'm you know very very specific bisexual. Okay, <laughs> right. I'll just say it. it you know, um, 
And uh, so if we happen to have a, a yes, we, we do share. <laughs> <laughs> Enough we'll said. Say, Sharing is said. caring. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think this is the first time I've ever blushed on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and too bad our listeners can't see you do that, right? Uh, this texter wants to know, do you know of any Montrealers who have died from autoerotic asphyxiation during S&M? Play so autoerotic asphyxiation is alone. This is like yes. let's be clear. This is not play no. with it's not S and M play with anybody. No. However, we did hear about that. Uh, you know, during a scene where somebody left their partner tied up, who a then few, who a few died. Years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a few years that ago. Wasn't- that wasn't asphyxiation, right? So um, maybe you want to explain I, autoerotic asphyxiation, or I can. It's up to you. Well, it's basically where you've you've cut off the air. It's, uh, and it's, is it, it's, was it, it be the part idea of breath is, play? Yes, it, it okay. is. And the idea is is that as you're kind of passing out and and getting not as much oxygen as you have a orgasm, then it'll be better. Is is the idea of it? Right. Um, it's incredibly dangerous. People die all the time. I know of people who have died. You do know. People I do. Who have died. So, um, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, to me, that that always that uh, that always reminds me of of back in the day. I'm old, so back in the day, Michael Hutchins from uh, from um, no, I can't remember. In excess. In excess. He. That's how he pa- he oh, died. David, what about yeah, Carradine? David Carradine. Yeah, as well. David same Carradine. thing. You know what? Thing. It's when it's suicide and the pants are down. Guess what? That's usually it. That's a good point, right? When it looks like a suicide, because they, often that's what they do, mm-hmm. right? They use yeah. the yeah. rope and then yeah. and then they pass out, and then it's uh, and they, it. they've gone that one second. Yeah, and and too you know far. what? People who practice that tend to that because they're liking the thrill, they tend to push it and push it, mm. and it gets more and more dangerous, and and eventually, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's going to get you. Unfortunately, I think people who uh, tend to practice this are the thrill seekers, more of the thrill seekers, and maybe uh, like have a tendency to push the envelope in real life. I think as well, some some to some degree, uh, there are also people that are maybe ashamed of the fact that they are that kind of that they're not able to share the experience with mm-hmm. another person where mm-hmm. they can have someone there just in case. Because right. you, you can do autoerotic association with and still have a backup. There. Yeah, mm-hmm. still have your backup. Yeah. Still have someone that's going to cut you down if, if it gets too far. Right. Um, yeah, and I think a lot a of these point. people that do die from this experience uh, are doing it mostly because of either a shame of of it because of either age, family, who knows. Right. Um, still or, taboo. Like yeah, because it you is know, still because very of taboo. The, even yes. BDSM, just admitting oh, that this is something sure. that you're into yeah. can still be quite uh, quite taboo and secret. And so uh, there's plenty of people who are still in in the closet, so to speak, about this. But mm-hmm. sadly, here are, you know, this, you're right. If they, if they had just had someone in the room Absolutely. who understood and where they negotiated just negotiated the whole thing. It's like, okay, you do this when I get to this point. You mm-hmm. do, you know, make sure I don't die. Yeah. Uh, that would save a lot of lives. Absolutely. Yeah. I want. We don't have exact numbers. It's too bad. Like, it's hard to know how well, many. It's also, people. I don't think one of those things that like really families. Is, like, are, you're in, not going to yeah. see it in a in a no bit. You no. know, well, like, I mean, that's it's a shame sure. to it for the family, right? Too. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's like it's like suicide, right? Yeah, well, it's like, except it's, that's it's not, not it's it's but it's not something that people want to talk about. Often, if it is a suicide, it's not necessarily made public that yeah. it was a suicide. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of suicides that are but autoerotic asphyx die death by that is is, is it's far quiet. more taboo, but Absolutely, it's far more but taboo. It's, it's yeah. quiet. Yeah, yeah. And, and and a family certainly wouldn't want to talk about that because it has to. It then opens up a closet. 
to that person that they probably that don't want to have sexuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which they wouldn't. Yeah. Listen, there are there are some dangers to, to this kind of uh, play if not done properly. Mm-hmm. But the BDSM world, from learning from all of you, what I've learned is that it is it, it's very thought out. It's very well negotiated. And I've looked at the studies that have compared BDSM practitioners to non-practitioners, and they they score higher on communication, ability to communicate, negotiate, compromise. Like all of these are healthy psychological traits uh, that are necessary if you're going to do this well and, mm-hmm. and at, with enjoyment and not mm-hmm. with danger. This texter writes, I once became involved with someone on the basis of a dominant sub-relationship, which to my surprise then transformed into a rom- romantic one where I no longer felt comfortable dominating mm-hmm. my romantic partner. Yeah. Yet he mm-hmm. argued I should have no issue reconciling the two dynamics with him, but they've always been and still remain very separate for, for me. Is that so strange? Oh, That's not, like yeah. me. Yeah. Not that, strange at all. Uh, every, every relationship I've, most of the relationships I've gotten into that were a, a dominant submissive relationship, if they went over to the romantic, the dominant submission was gone. Like I just, for me, it's, it's especially if I'm like living with a partner or whatever mm-hmm. that is, it's very difficult to always be on and be right. that submissive 24 seven. Like I'm not a slave. I'm a submissive. Right. Uh, so I can't be 24 seven submissive or, and I wouldn't expect my partner to be 24 seven dominant. It's exhausting. I can't imagine that that would be something. Uh, you like, want a partner. Yeah. I want a partner. And so I've usually kept my, my dominance separate from my romantic partners. Right. So, and here we have two examples right in this room where this is exactly how it works for you. So to answer that question, is that so strange? Uh, clearly not so strange. <laughs> not nope. so strange. There you go. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Pierre and Catherine of uh, BDSMcircle.com for all of your information needs on BDSM. They've got thousands of articles uh, on there and all kinds of information. Uh, Gary Major, who is a kinkster, and he can be found at Mr. Bear on St. Catherine Street mm-hmm. in the village. What a beautiful store. I just oh, want to say it's... Uh, yeah, we're very proud of what we did with, the, with the space when we got store, into it. Right. Yep. Uh, for all your kink needs, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, um, and Claude, who is uh, take you know, is, uh, Gary's partner, so take good care of our friend here. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have us to answer to now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much. Uh, thanks for listening, and thank you for your text. Do appreciate it. Thanks to Dave Simon, our technical producer tonight. Connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. <laughs>